702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. On the show today, the Senzo Miyua judge rules that audio of an alleged confession is not admissible. The ANC is marching to the Israeli embassy in Pretoria. A prayer meeting in support of Israel is happening in Katlahong. The president is going to Egypt tomorrow for peace talks. An update on the avian flu situation. And it's Friday, so sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today, watching various developments uh, for you. And of course, everyone gearing up for the rugby this weekend uh, on WhatsApp Midday Report. May you please interview Rassi Erasmus and ask him what motivates him to be proudly South African and the Springbok support. So we did exactly that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did a sit-down interview with Rassi Erasmus. We played it on air. And now is a good time to go back and have a listen to that. So I'll share the link uh, if you want to understand uh, Rassi Erasmus, if you want to understand the ethos of the Springbok team and, and why they play with such passion, it's definitely worth listening to. And then, of course, we need to uh, we need to just get behind the box this weekend. So let me know what you're doing. Send me a WhatsApp voice note, 072 702 1702 We'll talk about that a bit later on in the show. But let's start with developments in the High Court in Pretoria today. The Senzo Miyua murder trial continuing at the Pretoria High Court. A big development this morning. Judge Rata Mohatling declaring that the audio recording of Bongani Ntanzi's confession is inadmissible. Uh, Mohatling is saying that Ntanzi's right to a fair trial was infringed upon when Magistrate Cronier recorded him. Have a listen to that audio. Such an egregious flouting and flagrant flouting of accused number two's constitutional rights in terms of section 35.5, it would not be in the interest of justice to do so because accused number two would then be continuously subjected to a trial unfairly when we know that the constitution engages us and enjoins us to prevent such an exigency. And also, in the view of this court, that would be, that would bring the administration of justice into disrepute. Consequently, this court rules that uh, the audio recording should not form part of these proceedings. It is inadmissible. That's the judgment handed down a short while ago. Gamotso Modise, EWN reporter in court for us. Gamotso, good afternoon to you. Take us through that judgment and uh, why Judge Rata Mohwatling has decided not to allow this confession. Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, it's all come down to the rights of accused number two, Bongani Danzi. That was really at the heart of the argument yesterday by the defense um, after uh, advocate George Baloyi for the state 
argued that at least the right uh, to privacy here has not been infringed upon. He said, um, you know, Bonnie Danzi had voluntarily and freely come before the court and was ready to make that confession. And so privacy could not have been um, infringed upon here. But uh, we then heard today from Judge Ratamokwateng about the right to a fair trial. And that's really on the back of Section 35 uh, of the Constitution, where it really speaks about the evidence obtained in a manner that violates any rights of a person should be excluded uh, from the, or that, that, that evidence cannot be admitted really um, and used in court. And, and that was really what the judge um, you know, kept on speaking about today in his judgment, saying that if, the, if this evidence, particularly the recording, were to be admitted, it would be a continued violation of Bungani Danzi's rights because that recording would be uh, heard on record, it would be played in court, and it would be factored in and considered uh, ultimately when the judgment on whether his entire confession is admitted as evidence in this trial. So what happens now, Khumotsi? I see proceedings um, on, on television are continuing. Uh, is, is Magistrate Akronia back on, on the witness stand now? Well, you know, Mandy, I can tell you that while there was a bit of a sigh of relief and a bit of a, a chair from the defense, it's, 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 this is far from over for them. And this is a really small win in the greater scheme of things because there is still an actual written confession that the court is now hearing arguments on. Uh, the, the current process is that Magistrate Cornier, who took this confession down or had Bongalin Danze before her when the confession was taken, um, is testifying here. And she's insisting that not only was he, um, did he willfully, uh, willingly come before the court to testify, but he actually, or to, to confess, I should say, but he seemed very positive when he was making this confession. And so the defense is cross-examining, um, cross-examining Cornier on this. We're seeing advocates, uh, the advocate for that's advocate Mgomezulu, Chulani Mgomezulu, who's actually new in this trial. He's just been appointed. And so this is his first cross-examination of any uh, witness in the stand. And he's questioning whether the, the magistrate was certain that Bongani Ndansi was um, uh, represented by a lawyer on that day. He's made questions around whether he, she tried to verify whether the lawyer or the person who claimed to be Ndansi's lawyer was indeed a lawyer. That is the line of questioning that's happening right now. And this is all in an attempt uh, to disregard or to have the court disregard these alleged confessions uh, by Bongani Danzi and by Muzga Kudelwa Spia. Khomoto, thank you. Khomoto Modise, EWN reporter in court. Well, let's listen in to what's happening right now in the courtroom. And this audio is courtesy of Newsroom Africa. Section 217. Do you agree with it? I don't what form in our I don't know which form are you referring to. The form of Kulumangayo Angiaz. As it a foregeschreven form is, then behoort die personen waar het opgesteld het daar aan te voldoen, aan wetgeving te voldoen. If it is a prescribed form, then it means that the people uh, that is now, or the legislature, or the people that came up with the document, then need that to. Uh, in other words, uh, to uh, meet the, those uh, requirements. That they are still the plight of the landers or the person who the bekentenis afneemt. It is still the duty, but it still remains the duty uh, of the magistrate or the person taking down the confession. Is it clear that the woman who is asked is that it is very clear that 
dat hier die formaliteitsvereistes aan voldoen is. Uh, that the questions that are, uh, that are asked or the questions that are contained in there, uh, that those questions then meet uh, the requirements or the needed requirements. En dien die vorm wat voorgehou word. I don't understand this movement you're making with your hand. No. Okay, that's Magistrate uh, Cronier, who is currently giving evidence in the Senzo Miwa trial. Just g- keep in mind there, right? So that was testimony in Afrikaans that then got translated to English and then got translated into Isizulu. Um, so things are bound to get lost in translation, which they do in a courtroom, but also just how tedious that process is of, of having three languages. But that is the right uh, of somebody who is on the witness stand to answer in whatever language they are comfortable with. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Joburg Waters held a briefing today on the state of water supply in Joburg. Progress being made in addressing the water interruptions in some parts of the city. Uh, I did see some some euphemisms being thrown around in the Joburg Waters statement today about, uh, I think it was challenges or some uh, something like that, a challenge. You know, invariably it's a challenge. Uh, Gloria Matshore, EWN uh, reporter, joining us to, to speak about that briefing. Tell us what Joburg Waters has been saying, Gloria. Good afternoon, Mandy. So this week has actually been a good week. Uh, Joburg Water was actually mentioning that its systems have improved quite significantly. A lot of places actually do have water supply at this point right now. Um, the main places that you, that had issues with water supply was areas that are being supplied by reservoirs in South Hill, Hurst Hill and Brixton. And they're saying that most of these reservoirs are slowly recovering. When we had the briefing last week, the Brixton Reservoir was sitting at 30% water capacity and today it's actually at 50%. So they were mentioning that that has been, that's good stability because the the preferred levels are actually 60%. So they were actually saying that most of these places are recovering and they actually addressed the issue with South Hills, which is one of the reservoirs that areas such as Lynn Mayer feed from. And that's the community that we saw has been without water, was without water for about 55 days last week. And Joburg Woods has Mzwakim Mtweni was actually addressing that issue. If we go to the next area that I... Uh, presented it's the South Hill area and as indicated uh, the supply to the South Hill area has improved uh, in the last um, six days. The Klepreferisberg which is the main reservoir that supplies your South Hill uh, tower has improved in terms of its level. It's currently sitting at 31% from around 17 last week and as a result it has then uh, made it possible for us to be able to supply the area with uh, continuous um, pumping within uh, that zone. So still a reliance on water tankers in some areas? Yes, there's still a reliance on water tankers in some areas, especially areas that are being supplied by the Hurst Hill Reservoir, because they're saying that it's actually still at critical levels. It's still at about 13% water capacity. So places in those areas are still struggling with water supply and high-lying areas as well. So they're still supplying water tankers in areas like that. Gloria, thank you very much. Uh, Gloria Motswere giving us an update there on Joburg Water, saying that uh, uh, this is according to the statement that there are water supply 
challenges in the Hurst Hill 1 and 2 reservoir supply zones. That's an update on the situation with the water supply in Joburg. And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 22 minutes past 12 of the Midday Report. Let's look at the situation in the Middle East and what's happening in South Africa. President Cyril Ramaphosa is going to be traveling to Egypt tomorrow. He's attending the Cairo Summit for Peace. Uh, The presidency has now confirmed this, saying that President Ramaphosa has been deeply concerned by attacks on civilians, the resulting enormous loss of life, displacement of people, and the humanitarian crisis that has engulfed the Gaza Strip. That's the verbatim quote from the statement. So that summit is taking place tomorrow in Cairo to talk about humanitarian aid uh, and will call for a peace process as well. But neither Hamas nor Israel are going to be attending that. Uh, let's look at what's happening in South Africa now. The ANC is uh, picketing outside the Israeli embassy in Pretoria. The demonstration is a show of solidarity with the people of Palestine as that conflict intensifies. And then in Katlahong today, the South African Friends of Israel, together with the SA Prayer Network, are hosting 500 Christian leaders who are praying for all the innocents, calling for the release of the 203 Israeli civilians as well. So let's speak to uh, organizers involved in both of those events. Let's start first with Lesejo Makubela, who is a spokesperson of the Gauteng African National Congress, the ANC. Lesejo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Tell us about uh, the ANC's picket and the march to the Israeli embassy today. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your listeners. The stance of the ANC in solidarity with the people of Palestine, it's the same stance that we've always held for more than 30 years ago that we we believe in the self-determination of the people of Palestine. We believe in the two-state solution. And we believe that the current, uh, cr- uh, the current uh, crisis that is facing the Middle East needs to be, to be resolved in a peaceful way. And what do you hope to, to achieve by, by protesting outside the embassy today? And what kind of support have you received? We want to push, to push the, 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 the two wearing parties into a discussion so that they start have they start have um, peaceful discussions about what is happening in the Middle East, which has been going on for a long time. So we don't want to be uh, warmongers and actually say that no, uh, one side is correct, the other side is wrong. No, we are saying that we want a peaceful end to the to the conflict that has engulfed the the Middle East, that has displaced many of the families, that has led to uh, civilian loss of lives, that has led to. To the to the to the to 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 the to the death of many uh, innocent people in in the Middle East, and therefore we've received a lot of support from a lot of organisations that have come and joined us here, who also believe in the condemnation of what is happening in the Middle East, and who are calling for peace uh, and a peaceful mm-hmm. solution to the situation that engulfs that part of the world. Lesejo, thank you very much. Lesejo Makubela is the spokesperson for the Gauteng ANC. Uh, the ANC currently protesting, picketing, marching on the Israeli embassy in Pretoria. Uh, so that's the one thing that we're looking at. The other is in Katlahong, where the South African Friends of Israel, together with the SA Prayer Network, are hosting a solidarity prayer for Israel. Bafana Modise is the organizer of that event from the SA Friends of Israel. Bafana, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much about your time for, for your time. Uh, tell us about the event that's taking place in Khatlohong today. Yes, uh, today Christians from all over the country have gathered here in solidarity with the people of Israel. 
we actually here to issue to to reaffirm that Hamas is a terrorist organization. They are not freedom fighters. We are here to pray that there will be peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And not 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 only that. We need to make sure that South Africa plays a unifying role in this conflict and not pick a side. As the ANC has done as we speak, they are out there protesting outside the Israeli embassy. And the war right now is not against the people of Palestine. The war is against terrorism by Hamas. So I'm not sure why they are there in solidarity with Hamas, as Naledi Pando called Hamas during the week, or are they there in solidarity with the people of Palestine, whom themselves have become victims of Hamas ruling in Gaza. So we need to unify against terrorism and we are here to pray that peace will prevail and Hamas ultimately will release those hostages in Gaza. And, and Bafana, tell us about the kind of support that you have been receiving at this uh, prayer event in Katlohong today. Well, today, as we speak, we have over 500 leaders here, Christians from all over Gauteng, the country, uh, even one from Lesotho, we has come in solidarity to say, we as the Christians, we as the church, we will not sit back and watch Israel being attacked in this manner. So we have a lot of Christian organizations also here present, and even the Bupedi Kingdom is also here, one of the representatives to come here in solidarity with us. So clearly our people are not a party to this whole hostile ANC policy against Israel. We support a two-state solution, but we will not allow Naledi Pando to be calling a terrorist organization in our name. Bafana, thank you very much. Bafana Modise, the organizer of that event from the SA Friends of Israel. So speaking to uh, organizers of both those events today, the South African Friends of Israel, who are organizing uh, that event in Katlohong, 500 Christian leaders praying for uh, the release of the 203 Israeli civilians who were abducted and held hostage and then the ANC today uh, taking a stand in support of of the Palestinian people by organizing a picket outside the Israeli embassies in Pretoria. So those are the two things that are happening at the moment. Uh, Developments of course in the Middle East today. Uh, We are tracking those for you and as I mentioned President Cyril Ramaphosa will be attending the Cairo Summit for Peace tomorrow. Uh, He's going to be Travelling to Cairo, a statement from his office uh, saying the president will on Saturday attend the Cairo Summit for Peace at the invitation of His Excellency Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, president of the Arab Republic of Egypt. And it's going to be uh, discussing that ongoing escalation of the conflict in Israel and the Gaza Strip, the urgent need for humanitarian support and make a call for the resumption of the peace process. The president in the statement says the president Ramaphosa has been deeply concerned by attack on civilians, the resulting enormous loss of life, displacement of people and the humanitarian crisis that has engulfed the Gaza Strip. So that's issued by the president saying that he will be travelling to the Cairo summit. Important point though that Israel will not be part of that summit nor will Hamas as things stand at the moment. Those are the latest developments. 702 702 Mandy Wiener Weekdays 12 to 1pm don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. You can send me a WhatsApp voice note on 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. Uh, we are watching developments in the courts for you as well. Uh, we do to get an update from Alpha Ramashwana soon because he's having a look in the Soshanguve Magistrate's Court at the bail application of the men who were arrested for selling space cookies to primary school learners in that area. So we're just waiting for judgment on that matter. And then, of course, the Senzo Miyiwa matter still underway 
at the moment, as you heard earlier, judgment there uh, from the judge in that matter, saying that the uh, recording of an alleged confession recorded by a magistrate, that cannot be admitted, uh, saying that it was a violation of the rights of the accused. So that's a big development in the courts today. And now it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 12.35 on the Midday Report. Uh, so let's have a look at that court case that I was telling you about not too long ago. The Soshanguve Magistrates Court uh, due to hand down a decision on the bail application of the men who were arrested for selling space cookies to primary school learners in the area. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, following that story for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thanks for, for your time. Tell us what's happening in court today. Good afternoon, Mandy. Uh, Judge Reginald uh Judge Reginald Tulo, who is the presiding judge in this matter, has just um, handed down uh, the bail judgment to the three men who are accused of selling space muffins to pupils aged between 7 and 13. And those three men have now been denied bail. And the judge has cited that while, you know, the defense has provided all aspects that they are not flight risk, there is no assurance that these three men um, will honor the bail uh, conditions that they would have been handed to them. Uh, and he is saying that at the current moment, community members are indeed very angry with the three men. And they fear that uh, the community might decide to take the law into their own hands should they be decided. So uh, 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 while the judge is saying that he is avoiding the community taking the law into their own hands. He is also saying that uh, uh, the defense failed to prove why these uh, three men, um, uh, you know, should be uh, uh, granted bail. Alpha, just remind us about this case and, and what exactly the charges have to do with. Well, the three men who are aged uh, uh, between 19 and 29 are faced with 43 charges of attempted murder. This is after they allegedly sold muffins laced with uh, marijuana to about 90 pupils at, at the Pulamadi uh, Bolo School in uh, Soshanguve. And after that, all those 90 kids were admitted to local hospitals and clinics here. Uh, after they started complaining of uh, uh, stomach cramps, they started vomiting in class. Uh, so yeah, these three men basically allegedly sold uh, muffins laced with marijuana to uh, primary school learners who are aged between 7 and 13. And the judge did also say that uh, it seemed like these men uh, show no remorse for, you know, allegedly selling these, uh, uh, you know, uh, muffins laced with Daha to these learners who are between grade R and grade 7. Alpha, thank you very much for that update. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on bail application, bail being denied to those accused in that matter in the Soshanguve Magistrates Court. Uh, those men arrested for selling space cookies laced with uh, dacha, marijuana, whatever you want, you'd like to, to call it, to primary school learners in the area. We've seen this happening in a number of different uh, incidents, many of those ending up in fatalities. So a lot of concern around that. A strong message being sent there with bail being denied. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. In KwaZulu-Natal today, the Nkata Freedom Party, led by Velen Kwasini Khrabisa, uh, the president of the IFP, together with the IFP's National Executive Committee, today are holding a briefing uh, with the media on significant party decisions, other key developments as well. Ahead of the elections next year, no doubt uh, conversations there around potential coalitions. Nklantla Mabaso, EWN reporter, following that for us. Nklantla, good afternoon to you. What is the IFP's positions? What has it been speaking about? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. The party was just speaking about latest developments. This includes 
the party president, Belen Kosini Shabisa, now going to parliament to replace Prince Mangosu Kubtelezi. But this decision only come after those alleged factions in the party as between him and the provincial chairperson, Tamsan Lantuli. But that has been discussed by the both leaders here assuring the media, in fact, claiming there are no factions between the two of them. In fact, they took to the podium. Kabisa started to say he needs to declare and clear some of the things that have been said in the public, that really there's no tensions between the two of them. But some sources really within the party, you know, are saying that there are still those decisions. Hence why it raised eyebrows to say, why is the party president now going to parliament to replace Prince Mangosutubtelis? But according to the ISP, He's the only person that could have in his position as party president. And the fact that um, Parliament sits for three days in the National Assembly where he's going to serve and will still continue working the ground in case that... And you'd recall, Mandy, that ahead of the 2024 elections, the IFP is aiming and gunning for the KZN provincial government. And here in this press briefing, they once again ensured and assured rather media, the media that, in fact, that's still their target, meant. There have been lots of conversations since the passing of Prince Mangasutu Butelezi around the relationship between the IFP and the ANC, uh, potential coalition talks or just uh, uh, peace talks, really, uh, between the two organizations. Has that been mentioned today at all? Not at all, mainly, but it seems as though the party is still holding on, wanting to see the ANC going beyond, I mean, uh, lower than 50% in this particular province in the upcoming polls. That's why they are still joining hands with the likes of the Democratic Alliance. But recall maybe that there was that issue of the moonshot that the youth brigade was not happy about of the IFP. And you'd recall that in some municipalities in this province, the IFP was uh, initially working with the uh, EFF in seven municipalities where the EFF had uh, deputy mayors. But that relationship soured where then Julius Malema told the EFF to pull out of that relationship. But during Prince Mangosu Tubutelez's funeral, we saw the EFF also pledging solidarity and support, saying that next year they will be making history in the province, posing itself in a manner that speaks to such a fact they can still work together in this province. And rightfully so, many the party's resolutions do say that they should not close any door to any political parties. But it seems with the pit talk with the ANC, nothing has been on the table yet. Uh, uh, Deputy President of the ANC, Paul Satile, when he visited the Butelo's home during the morning period, did mention that, you know, they are still willing to have those peace talks. But according to the IFP, that's not, that now lies on the ANC. Party provincial chairperson, Tamsan Lantuli, said he tried, uh, you know, conversating about uh, those peace talks with then uh, Secretary of the ANC in the province, that was in Tunisian and Tunisian, that yielded no good results. It seems those peace talks have now been put to rest and now these parties focus, you know, really on who's going right. to run the provincial government next uh, year. And, and Tlaxla, how confident is the IFP going into this next election? Uh, you spoke about the fact that they, they're in this moonshot pact, um, that the ANC could go below 50%, but realistically, how confident is the IFP uh, of, of whether or not they could um, successfully be able to, 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 to uh, be in charge of, of KZN? And nationally, how confident are they? Well, Mandy, looking at how they've been winning the by-elections in the province, it gives them some sort of of an encouragement that they may be able to just win the election. So according to them, really, they're playing on the service delivery card. So in KZN, they run more municipalities than the 
than the ANC, and they say that they want to use these municipalities to demonstrate the issue of service delivery. Bear in mind, indeed, this is a party that was once governing this province, so it's a party that knows how it feels to have lost power. It's a party that currently wants to claim power, but the ANC has, on several occasions, raised, say, I mean, say, said that they are very confident that they, as a party, won't lose this province to the IFP, but the IFP says the grounds are more futile given the winning of by-elections in the province recently made. Nklantla, thank you very much. And Nklantla Mabaso, EWN reporter, speaking to us there, giving us an update on that briefing by the IFP and uh, its its relationship with the ANC, but also uh, just what it means, the fact that Vilenkosini Khlabisa, the president of the IFP, has now been deployed to Parliament. He was sworn in yesterday, just before that debate uh, and the vote on the new public protector. Uh, we saw Vilenkosini Khlabisa being sworn in as an MP now. What does that mean? For the IFP. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. The Department of Agriculture and the South African Poultry Association giving an update on the avian flu situation to the Portfolio Committee. There have been some concerns because uh, there there are worries that the avian flu situation has now uh, spread to the Western Cape. The Western Cape confirming the first case of H7 high pathogenicity avian influenza, that case reported in George on the 12th of October. Let's speak now to Dipepeneng Serage, who's the Deputy Director General for Agriculture, Production, Biosecurity and National uh, Natural Resource Management. Uh, Mr. Sarake, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, what is the, the status of the avian flu situation in South Africa and, and how concerned are you about a potential spreading to the Western Cape? We are concerned. And good afternoon to you and to your, to your, your listeners. Yes, we are concerned. In fact, uh, let's just get the perspective correct. Western Cape was the first to have the avian flu outbreak. Uh, uh, before other provinces. But it's just, now the concern is the H7 strain, which is uh, a very highly pathogenic and the one that we were hoping not to have, and so Western Cape has. But, but the, the outbreak actually started in the Western Cape. Now, so, so, so are we concerned? Yes, we are. The situation is getting out of hand because uh, we were almost controlling the week ago until there was a movement from, of, of, of chickens from the northwest to the Western Cape, and then Western Cape got infected with the, with the H7 strain. So, so what does this mean now for your, your attempts at containment uh, nationally? Um, have they received a, a setback, and, and, and where are we with, with that from an overall perspective? Okay, let me start it this way. If we compare where we, we are now with where we were, in, in 2001, 2021 outbreak, we we still we we still below the levels. But the worry now is the the strain, the H7 that we were hoping not to have. But in terms of the the number of outbreaks, that is the number of poultry farms affected, we're still a little bit below. And uh, in terms of the the the, the spread, the, the rate at which it's spreading, that is the worry that we we we, yeah, we are now worried. But then we'll be coming up with new measures, so one of which we're busy looking into, busy finalizing regulations uh, with which we are going to now control movement uh, of chickens from one place to the other. And uh, we are not reactive to the, the current the situation from Northwest to Western Cape. We already, we've already started even before this one, but just that it takes a bit of time right. to have regulations in place. So we are going to control movement. We're looking 
due to vaccination as well, and as well we'll be culling those that we can cut. Is is there a vaccine for this new strain? Um, because it's the new strain then you're you're worried about. Are you confident that you'll be able to uh, to to prevent this new strain from spreading further? Unfortunately, there is no vaccine. And correctly, your question is very important. Yes, we don't have vaccine. The only way out would be to call those that are infected by the strain, to which, which especially the dangerous strain that we, we not is, is also highly pathogenic. So we do not have at the moment any vaccine. We're busy though uh, registering vaccines for H6. So 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 the other vaccine H5 and H6. We are busy with 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 H5. I think we should be done. We should have vaccinations ready in the near future, less than a month from now, two weeks we should have for H5 and uh, H7 not. It's because nobody in the world has a vaccine for H7. Mm. It's only Mexico that had, but it also was just on a trial basis. So we do not have. So the only solution would be to call those uh, beds. Okay. So just to be clear for, for everyone to understand that it's this it's the strain of H seven um yes. that, that we now have a case of in, in the Western Cape and that's why why it's so concerning. So if, if the only thing you can do is to cull, um are, are we now seeing more culling taking place? Yes. There's been a lot of culling because of taking place because that becomes the only way. As you know, we've not really been vaccinating uh, we've not vaccinated and the world is only now starting to move towards vaccination for the highly pathogenic well, influenza. All along, the only uh, treatment would have been to just cull, clean up cull and get new stock in. But now, because of the rate at which uh, infection happens and with a lot of farms being infected, it now becomes very, very eminent uh, uh, mm-hmm. that we've got to now come up with other measures, one of which is vaccination coupled with culling, but also with movement control. We're going to issue regulations which would make it difficult for farmers which in the main we think that some of them are being reckless Okay, Mr. Depepe Nene Serage, Deputy Director General from uh, Agriculture Production, Biosecurity, Natural Resource Management at the department. Thank you very much. So just important clarity there when you look at what's happening with uh, with this issue, um, that it is the strain that is so concerning, the fact that we now have this H7 strain of avian flu. That's the worry. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Oh, my wonder, Matthias. <laughs> Colin Pire is a cup specialist. Yo! Yeah, ne? Uh, thanks, Mindy. It's Andres. I wish you could have seen Mawande's face when he got ambushed with that voice note. Hey, Mawande Mateza calling Pirates a cup specialist. Well, objectively, you have to say that they are. They've won the last three domestic cup competitions in South Africa. It was two MTN competitions and the Nepang Cup final last year or last season time uh, around. Uh, so I think uh, you can call Jose Rivera a cup specialist and his side as well. Yeah. So your listeners are listening, eh? <laughs> They're listening. They've got, they've got thoughts. They've got views. Well, now I know that somebody listens. Yeah. <laughs> so there's cricket under uh, underway at the moment. Um, this is the dominant Australia that uh, that you always fear in a World Cup, right? Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to call them the greatest of Australian sides. Oh, no, no, uh, no. no, far from it. However, that Mitchell Marsh and David Warner have been putting on uh, an exceptional display at the moment. 245 without loss, and it's only 30, the 33rd over of the game. Having said that, Pakistan have had some chances. I've seen a couple of drop catches out in the field as well. Uh, and it's also, I want to say 
it's probably one of those games where Pakistan, you never know what kind of Pakistan side is going to show up. Um, and yeah, once again, against one of the big guns like they did against India, just didn't show up. Uh, so the Proteas uh, tomorrow will be playing England in cricket and we're playing uh, England uh, in rugby at both World Cups. Um, Rassi Erasmus must get off the Twitter. I, I, I am not one of those persons who people who are amused uh, by Rassi Erasmus. He's been very, very antics. busy on social media. Yeah, there's the whole thing where he follows the team, then unfollows them after winning or whatever. And um, he's been uh, slagging off, uh, uh, what is it, Ben Smith, the rugby writer from New Zealand, who's ha- who always has quite a lot to say mm. about the Springboks and the like. Um, and some people have not been happy with Rassi Erasmus as well today. Uh, I didn't quite see the tweets, but I've just seen some reactions from or whatever it is that he posted. Well, that's a side show. Um, What do you think about the actual game tomorrow night? Um, My patriotic side says it's going to be a Springbok win. Very easy. However, the side that England put out yesterday uh, is quite formidable. And with the return of Freddie Stewart, who is supreme under the high ball and almost nullifies the Springbok kicking game in a, in a sense, uh, makes it a much tougher game. And the fact that it's a semi-final, I almost think that semi-finals are much tougher. There's a lot more tension in the semi-final than there is in a final. In a final, it is, it's that or it's win or bust. Um, in, in a semi-final, I think there's just a whole lead up to with nerves and there's just a lot going mm. on around the game. So um, I'm, I'm very hesitant to call it. Uh, and I would love a game where my emotions are we, not we know involved. You, we know you yeah. that you're famous for your, your predictions. So we won't, uh, we won't force no, no, you. No, 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 please don't. It will be great for us if, yeah. if we win. It will be nice. Yeah. There's a lovely video. Um, we're about to speak to Brent, the good things guy. But if you want some good feelings, there's this beautiful video of Makasole Mapimpi, who just went to the grocery store, guys. He's just gone shopping to the grocery store. Yeah. And you must see how South Africans have responded to him. It's so beautiful. It's absolutely Absolutely fantastic, and it just it took me back actually to the squad announcement uh, back in August where Makazole Mapimpi had the biggest cheer out of all the Springboks who were announced that day. Uh, so really, really lovely to see, and hopefully he'll be on a plane to France to support the team uh, in the final next week. Well, Moan, there's lots of other sports happening as well. Unfortunately, we just don't have time for it. There's football. There's a MotoGP. Brad Binder did well this morning, right? In in the the sprint, there's a, a Grand Prix uh, happening as well. Plenty of sport uh, to keep you busy this weekend. Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. Ending off a Friday as always with Brent Lindeke, the good things guy. Hey Brent, happy Friday. Happy Friday, man, and happy Friday to all of the 702 and Cape Talk listeners. I was just chatting to, to Mawande about that beautiful clip of Makazole Mapimpi. If you haven't seen it yet, um, you definitely need to get it up on, on your site because it gives you, as you would say, all of the feels. All of the feels. I have seen it and, and it absolutely does. And uh, man, that's what—that's why I'm here, right? Is to remind uh, all the listeners and South Africans, and maybe even the world, that even though times are tragic and the news is harsh, and we open up the news and we feel not so all the feels, that there are good things happening all around us. We just need to sometimes look a little bit harder to find them. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Northwood School in Durban that gave such a, a stellar performance for the Springboks. So this video has been going viral um, the whole week. But here's the thing, right? So last week. After the Booker wrapped up, uh, Sia Khaleesi did that incredible post-match interview where he spoke about how he, him and the team are doing this all for everybody back home. He understands that uh, we can't all afford to be in France watching the games, but they are 
receiving and seeing all of the photos from Book Friday and all of the videos that uh, the corporations, businesses and schools are putting up. They are seeing it and it's giving them uh, all the gears to get through these matters. And this one from Northwood School is bringing all the feels. Um, the school starts off, drummers are there, they stay all in their bokeh shirts and they're singing Shoshaloza and the next minute the camera pans out and it is the entire school. If you, if you want to feel the gears of, uh, of what the Boca can do to bring us together. That's one of the videos that you absolutely need to watch. And then, Brent, here, uh, a man has paid for an elderly couple's lunch in the sweet act of kindness. Tell us about that. So I love stories like this, and we get these stories so often. I call it quiet kindness. It's when things happen where we don't share it on social media, we don't speak about it, but it certainly does inspire us. Jenny Young, a retired South African, uh, she was out having lunch, a pensioner's lunch, and um, she was chatting to the person she was having lunch with, and they're having a great time. And when they asked for the bill, the waiter said to them, don't worry about it, you, you don't need to pay for this one. Uh, they were a little bit confused. They thought what was going on, dumbfounded, maybe a little bit embarrassed. They were like, I'm not quite understanding. Can you please bring us the bill? And uh, the waiter turned and, and said, that table over there, there was a man sitting, and he actually just paid for your bill as a random act of kindness. Why do, stories matter, why do stories like this matter so much? Because it shows us that there is still kindness in the world. There's no reason why someone shouldn't pay for another person's bill just because they want to. Uh, and she wrote that up onto her blog, and it's also going viral as well. That's oh, that's beautiful. Uh, and then uh, just lastly, the, the highway heroes that helped help the stranded animal braving the car train ledge. So what's that story? Absolutely insane. So the Pitbull Sanctuary of South Africa posted this photo of two gentlemen helping a dog off the side of the car train. So you know the car train runs all the way from ORT to Pretoria, and it's, it's, it's sort of on a bridge. It's on a raised platform. Well, a dog was stuck on that concrete in the, in the middle, um, and two gentlemen uh, helped that dog down. The Pitbull Sanctuary of South Africa put out a call to try to find them. They didn't know who they were. Um, the one is a TMPD officer. We're still looking for that officer to thank him, uh, but the other person is Stefan Rousseau of Counterpoint Risk. Uh, our Good Things Guy readers managed to find them and Pitbull Sanctuary South Africa is going to do something to thank them. Well, Brent, as always, thank you so much and uh, I'll leave you to say only... Only good things to all of the listeners. Hope you have a great weekend and also, go Boca! Go Boca! <laughs> Brenty, we love you. Thank you so much. Brent Lindeke, the Good Things Guy. You can join him in your car. Shout, go Boca! The Midday Report. Well, thank you so much. It's been a busy news week. There's lots to keep us busy this weekend as well. Don't forget to cheer on the Proteas tomorrow. Uh, don't forget, of course, the, the Boca tomorrow night as well. Lots uh, lots to watch. And uh, as Brenty said, go Boca!